0: As I walked in this morning and the rain was pelting my glasses and my hair was getting wet, I thought, didn't we just do this last week? I hope we're not getting into a pattern here. Uh, But we're thankful to be together today. And as the song just said, we are never alarmed at the overcast skies. We don't let such things get us down. We carry on in faith. And I'm thankful that you're here. I hope that you are feeling alert and awake despite the rainy conditions, and if it takes a couple extra slaps to the podium to make sure you stay that way, then I'm happy to provide this morning. Uh, Please do lift up a prayer this afternoon uh, as our crew from the church retreat comes home. We had a wonderful day yesterday. I think we had 80-something people there with us yesterday, and a group heading home um, sometime this afternoon, and they'll be traveling through some pretty nasty conditions they lift up a quick prayer and ask God to give them safe travels. We're thankful to be gathered together in the name of the Lord to praise His name, to lift up the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we find our salvation. There was a word that made several appearances in the songs that we sang this morning. The word is faith. The word is faith. And we're talking about faith today. As we continue our series on the resurrection That we've been calling, This Changes Everything. We started on Easter Sunday. Our sermon that day was called, He Lives. And we just talked about how Jesus rose from the dead and how He lives today. And we talked about evidence for that. And then the next week, we talked about how that changes our future. That because Jesus was risen from the dead, we can look forward to a future resurrection at the glorious return of Jesus Christ. But, as Alex talked about last week, we don't have to wait until then to be raised in a sense. In this life, we can be raised up from our sins through the act of baptism to walk in newness of life. And so in the here and now, we are raised up from the waters of baptism as we still anticipate the resurrection at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. But today, this word faith. Let's think about and talk about this word. In terms of the resurrection. You heard it in several of our songs this morning. And so maybe we'll start here. With this question. What is faith? What is faith? That's a big question. And if we were in some sort of discussion format. We could spend countless minutes. Talking about the nature of faith. I mean it's a multifaceted word. But I think sometimes we have watered down our definition of this word faith. We've made it a little too vanilla. And we're not catching all the shades of meaning that are involved in this big idea. You see, sometimes we think of faith simply as intellectual assent to something. that It's just a cognitive acceptance of a collection of facts. It's just something I accept in my head. That's faith. But I think that you know, I think we know, that it's bigger than that, right? It's not just about this this intellectual acknowledgement that, that a God exists and this is what I believe about that God. You see, in the New Testament, the word that is translated for faith is pistuo. And this is a bigger, broader word than Oftentimes, we we talk about faith in the way that we talk about it. Because this word can not only be translated faith, but it can also be translated trust. And that's a similar word, but it's different in many ways as well. We need to remind ourselves that our faith is not only believing things about God, but our faith is believing in God. Yes, God, I believe in you. I believe in your word. I believe that it's true. I believe in what you have done for me through your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that I have a future because of your love and your grace that you've poured out into my life. Faith is not just believing things about God, it's believing in him and it's placing our trust in him. And that is much Harder than simply believing things about God. In trusting ourselves to Him. That's when faith gets difficult. True faith. It is trust in God and it is obedience to His will. It is, as the old song says, the word faith includes the ideas of trusting and obeying. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and and obey. What does James say? That our faith is completed by our works. And so an obedient lifestyle must be part and parcel with our definition of faith. Faith is trusting and obeying God's will. Even when it doesn't make sense to us. Even when we might say to God. Mm, the teaching in your word, God. It just doesn't seem right to me. It it, it just seems to defy my sensibilities. Faith is trusting and obeying God's Word even when we think things like that. True faith is trusting and obeying even when it's not personally advantageous to us. Even when we don't perceive any personal benefit that we would gain from following God's will. Even when we might say... God, this doesn't help me. This doesn't help my station in life. This doesn't help me personally or financially or socially or professionally. True faith is trusting and obeying even when we might not benefit from that. And true faith is trusting and obeying even when it's difficult. Even when we might be risking personal harm. Even when we might say to God, God, following that, Living out that type of lifestyle, that might not only not help me, that might hurt me. Maybe even physically, but maybe emotionally or or, or socially, that might hurt me. True faith is what we see on display on the pages of Scripture in the Garden of Gethsemane. On the eve of Jesus' trial and His death. And I want you, if you will, to grab your Bible and to go with me to Mark chapter 14 as we dig into what true faith is all about. I hope that you'll be able to access the Word of God through some shape, form, or fashion. Mark chapter 14. Let's start in verse 32. Jesus has shared the Passover meal with his disciples. He has instituted the Lord's Supper. He has predicted that Peter would deny him. Before it's all said and done with, that is the trial and the the death of Jesus Christ. And then Scripture tells us they went to a place called Gethsemane, which many people believe today was basically an olive orchard uh, with several olive trees. What What we call today the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said in verse 32, and his death is imminent, and he knows this. He knows the clock is ticking down to when he would suffer that cruel death on the cross of Calvary. He said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. The Son of God, God in the flesh, greatly distressed and troubled about what awaited him in the very near future. And he said to them, verse 34, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. God, if it's possible, if there's any way in the world, any way in the universe. Maybe I can skip this part. Maybe there's some other means by which all of humanity can be redeemed. God, can I avoid what's coming? He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. And what he means when he says this cup, he means the cup of suffering. Now, Jesus knew God's plan, he knew how this was going to play out, and he came to earth with that knowledge. He knew because he predicted it in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10. At least three times, he told his disciples not only about his death and burial, but about his resurrection. He knew that his story would not end when he drew in his last breath on the cross. He ended the prediction each time with the glorious resurrection, with the fact that God would raise him up from the tomb. He knew that that was what was coming on the other side of death. And yet, in this moment, trust and obedience... Were hard to come by because he knew on the way to resurrection he had to go through this most painful trial and you know we face moments like this in our lives as well and i don't mean to compare us to what christ went through on the eve of his death i know that we don't face anything to that magnitude but we do face moments in our lives of faith when we are greatly distressed and troubled about adhering to god's will We face moments in our faith where our souls are heavy and burdened and sorrowful. And if you haven't faced moments like that in your faith, you will. Just ask any of these older believers, older saints in the house. They'll tell you, you will go through trials that make trust and obedience in God's will exceedingly difficult. It's only a matter of time before your soul is sorrowful. We go through moments like this, moments when enduring in faith almost doesn't even seem worth it. We were up at camp yesterday, and the couple that have been the caretakers of Camp High Lake for the last 30 years have lived there on property. Their names are J.C. and Donna Gillantine. And in the past, both faithful Christians. And in the past, we've been up there... J.C., a very hard worker, always out, involved in some project to improve the camp. Strong, strapping guy, hard worker, devoted to God. Well, this year we get up there, and we find out that J.C. is in the advanced stages of esophageal cancer. And he's in his house, and he's not able to be out working anymore. And his wife is helping to feed him through a feeding tube that's attached to his stomach. And his hair's gone because of radiation and chemotherapy. And as I was talking to his wife, I, you know, I told her we're going to be praying for him. And with tears in her eyes, she said, "You know, we've almost been married sixty years, and I've—I don't even remember a time without him. So we've always had each other." And in my estimation, it would be very easy for a couple like that, for a a man like that, a godly man to think, at the end of my life, God, why this? Why do I have to go out like this? In such a painful, unpleasant way. There are times in our lives we will all face them when trust and obedience in God and in His will, faith, true faith in God is difficult to come by. Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. Please, God, if there's any other way, let it be done. And yet, in the same sentence in which Jesus' trust seems to falter, what does he say? On the heels of saying, remove this cup from me, he says, what? You know, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not my will, but yours be done. Now, that's faith. And as we see in the remaining verses, Jesus, after going through this, shall we call it a period of of doubt and and, and fear about what was to come, he resigns himself to God's will. He says, this is the way that it's going to be. Why are you sleeping? He fusses at at the apostles out there in the garden, fast asleep. He said, I told you to watch and pray. You can't even do that. And then he goes on to say, the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Judas is on his way with the mob, with the soldiers. I will be arrested. The time of my departure is at hand. And this is God's will. And I resign myself to that. We see a complete submission to the Father's plan. We see a decision to trust and obey no matter what in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the question is, was it worth it? Was it worth it for Jesus to place His faith and His trust in His Father? The Son's trip to the cross, trusting that His Father would raise Him from the dead, was it worth it? You know it was worth it. Because here we sit 2,000 years later, saved by what Jesus did on that cross and given hope by what those first witnesses found at the empty tomb. In fact, when we ask this question, was it worth it for Jesus to entrust Himself to His Father, to place His faith in Him? We need only ask those ladies who visited the tomb early that Sunday morning in order to see the body of Jesus, in order to anoint the dead body of Jesus with, with, with oil and other spices. And when they got there, they saw that the big stone had been rolled away and they peeked inside and there wasn't a body. And then Peter comes later and then John comes and they peek inside and they see the grave clothes cast aside and they see the cloth that had been placed over the head, the, the, the head of their Lord Jesus Christ. It had been neatly folded in the corner. We need only ask those people who witnessed the empty tomb if it was worth it. And they would say without a doubt, yes, it is always worth it when you place your faith in your Father above. And the resurrection proves it. The resurrection proves that Jesus' faith was not misplaced. It proves the empty tomb. It's a monument to the trustworthiness of God. It is evidence that God can always be trusted. Always, always. Paul, he reminds us of the faith of Jesus and the resulting reward in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 5. This was our text today. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though He was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but He made Himself nothing taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Jesus had trusted in the Father and His will. He obeyed the Father's will. Even though it was going to hurt. Even though though in the moment He couldn't see that it was going to be to His advantage. He was obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. But that is not where the story ends. Because God's plan God's promises were fulfilled and Jesus was able to experience them because he submitted to them verse nine therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name but the story doesn't stop there this is not just about the path of Jesus Christ because the new testament says if we follow the path of Jesus through humility through trust through obedience, through faith and we can expect a similar future. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 verse 17 that if we suffer with Christ, if we entrust ourselves to our Father as he did, if we trust and obey, then we will be glorified with him as well. In fact, this belief that if we take on the lifestyle of Christ in his trust and in his obedience, we will be exalted like Christ. It was so pervasive in early Christianity that the early Christians came up with a little saying about it. And this saying that probably circulated among the earliest Christian churches is recorded for us in Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Paul quotes it, and he says it's trustworthy. And here's what the saying said. If we have died with Him... Meaning what? If we've died in Him, in the faith. If we have endured faithfully through life like Him. If we have trusted and obeyed God as He did. Then what? Then we will live with Him. If we endure. If we persist. If we persevere in the faith. No matter what what comes upon us in this life knowing that God keeps His promises, if we endure, then we'll reign with Him. And so the question is, do you possess the faith of your Lord? And you may say, well, come on. I mean, it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. Of course, I don't have faith that lives up to that standard. But hold on a second, because... Jesus, though he was 100% divine, he was also 100% human. And I know we'll never quite get to his level of perfection, but we ought to be trying. He ought to be the one who we are trying to emulate. And so, do we possess the faith of Jesus Christ? True faith, entrusting ourselves to God. You see, true faith is submitting to God's will even when it defies your instincts, your desires. Or your strong opinions. It's entrusting yourself to God's will. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't seem like it's going to benefit you personally. Even when it's difficult. True faith is standing firm on biblical teaching. On all sorts of issues. Like homosexuality or marriage or divorce. Even when such beliefs are culturally unpopular. True faith is to embrace the way of sacrificial love modeled by our Savior. True faith is to turn the other cheek when we want to raise our hand to strike back. Now that takes true faith to live like that. True faith is leaving vengeance to the Lord when we want to retaliate. True faith is overcoming evil with good when we'd rather repay evil with evil. True faith is seeking to live peaceably with all when we'd rather make war. True faith is enduring every persecution, every hardship, knowing that glorification and exaltation and life awaits. When I went yesterday to visit with JC, the gentleman that I mentioned earlier, I said, Sir, I am just so sorry that you're you're sick. I hate it for you. Know that we're going to be praying for you. And he said, you know what? That's okay, because do you know what Romans 8.28 says? And I said, yes, sir, I do. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. And a man at the end of his life, with a bald head from cancer treatments, sick in his chair, taught me a lesson, yesterday about true faith faith in god trust in his will knowing that that our future is secure no matter what happens in this life and when our faith begins to falter you know what we ought to do we ought to take a trip to that empty tomb and i don't mean we ought to hop on an airplane and go over and see where they think jesus body was laid i mean we've We might even want to close our eyes and picture ourselves walking or maybe even running to that empty tomb, the place where we know they laid Jesus' dead body after he was pulled down from the cross, the life sucked out of him. And we ought to see how the stone's been rolled away. And we ought to take a peek inside. And we ought to see that there is nobody there. Because he's risen. And when we do that, when we witness the empty tomb, we ought to hear God saying, now do you trust me? Do you trust me? Look at where Jesus was. He is no longer there. He's risen. He's alive. The resurrection assures us that with God, a promise made is a promise kept. And we can place our faith in Him and have no fear because He takes care of those who put their trust in Him and He exalts those who endure in the faith. You see, we're not called to just live with faith. I mean, living with faith is good, but living by faith is better. Living by faith, trusting, confiding in Him, through every twist and turn, as we meander through this life, knowing what's ahead, knowing what God has promised us that awaits on the other side of eternity. And such faith will never put us to shame. It will always vindicate us. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so the question is, will it be worth it? Will it be worth it? Enduring in the faith, You know, sometimes, these are the times when I wish you'd talk to me a little bit. Will it be worth it, church? Yeah. Hello, walls, as one preacher once said. We answer that question, will it be worth it, by asking the question we asked earlier. Was it worth it? For Jesus to entrust Himself to His Father to put His faith in His Father? Yes, it was. Will it be worth it to us to endure in the faith no matter what? Yes, it will be. So the question this morning is have you placed your faith your trust in him? You have an opportunity to do that. There's no better day but today to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ to receive the salvation that only comes through him to repent of your sins to confess you believe Jesus Christ is the son of God to go into these waters of baptism and to be raised a new creature. If you haven't made that decision, if you haven't taken those simple steps, the fact is, I mean, just to put it simply, you need to. You need to. And I hope you want to. I hope you want to place your trust, place your faith in the only one who is trustworthy. And that is God Almighty. He will always keep the promises that He has made, and the resurrection proves it. So this morning, if you want to receive salvation, you have an opportunity as we're about to sing a song. If you are struggling in any way, if you need the prayers of this congregation, we want, to, we want to lift you up to our Father God this morning. We want to offer you the encouragement and the support that you need. Why don't you take this opportunity to come and make things right with God while we stand and sing.